your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to catch up on any previous episodes you've missed or subscribe to future episodes, be sure to tune in to Lockdown Winnipeg Jets on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Following and subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's show, I wanted to talk a little bit about how Winnipeg has performed against the Ottawa Senators in their game this evening, which they ended up winning 4-1, and I thought I'd talk about a couple of different discussion points. I think that this game has a lot of interesting insights, and I think it leads to larger discussions about who deserves to be playing for this team, who should be maybe riding the taxi squad, and who maybe needs to be spending more time in the AHL. I also think that there's a fair bit of interesting discussion about some players who have surprised me in ways that I did not expect. But let's start off with the overall game itself. For the first time, I think Winnipeg actually played a fairly complete and decent game. Against Calgary, of course, in that opening game, they had a really good later 40 minutes. But that opening period was really terrible. I mean, it was virtually unwatchable for most fans. This game, the Jets, even though they did surrender quite a few shots and were edged a little bit in expected goals, especially in the low slot area, I would say that Winnipeg, to my eye, played a fairly decent even period. The Jets were creating lots of end-to-end chances, and even though they did shank some of their shots wide, I think some of the opportunities that they were getting with guys like Kopp, Stastny, and Ehlers together were actually pretty dangerous. There was really good puck movement, I felt that they were making the right passes and looking at the right seams, and just overall I was impressed with their performance. And then the rest of the game happened, and and basically Winnipeg just kind of took over and completely curb-stomped the Sens. I'm a little disappointed for Hellebuck that he didn't get the shutout. I thought that he had a a fairly okay night, like in terms of a a body of work. His own personal performance was great. He didn't have a, a crazy amount of work to do, especially later in the game, but there were a couple of really crazy dangerous chances that he ended up keeping out of Winnipeg's net. As far as the forwards are concerned, we saw an interesting lineup with Patrick Laine still missing, and then eventually Nate Thompson had to leave too. I think he took some kind of upper body knock and then was out after the first period or so, which for the fourth line does create some interesting holes. Cop was up in the top six, but he may slide back down to one of those depth roles if Nate Thompson isn't ready to go, and it sounds like Christian Veselainen may get a look at some point. I think injuries were going to be the main way that he slides into this team, and if Patrick Laine is still unavailable to go on the uh, upcoming weekend games, you'd have to expect that Veselainen at least gets some kind of a look. I think that there are too many injuries and not a whole lot of uh, times for rest for Veselainen not to come off the taxi squad and get at least a couple of NHL games. Gustafson's back with the moose, so it de- it definitely falls to somebody like Veselainen, who's already spent a couple of seasons in the AHL to essentially assume one of these roles and take over either in the top six or the bottom six. My guess is probably like the bottom six, just because Maurice doesn't tend to trust a lot of rookies with a lot of top six time, unless there's somebody really special. I will say that the top line I thought did pretty well. Uh, Mark Shifley looked a little bit better. He had a nice goal, and it was all set up because of Kyle Connor, who I will talk about later in this episode as being a really pleasant 
pleasant surprise. Um, but Connor has demonstrated over the past couple of games some notable improvements in passing and distribution and utilizing his line mates. We'll dive into a little bit of that later, but as far as the rest of the forwards are concerned, I thought that uh, Shifley was all right. Connor was definitely pretty good. Ehlers had a strong night, even a goal that was probably a little bit fluky, but still decent. The second line was pretty all right as well. I would say that Kopp, Ehlers, and Stastny had a really good chemistry, and they were able to create a lot of really quick passing movements, and Stastny in particular was creating a lot of really dangerous net front chances. He had a number of shots on goal, and it was more like a a bit of uh, misfortune that he wasn't able to collect at least a goal or an assist. I mean, he had a ton of really great chances and looks, and some of his passes found some players in really dangerous areas, so... I have a feeling if he continues to play like this and sort of turns back the clock a bit, he's going to have a pretty good season for the Jets. The third line, which I believe had Lowry and some other guys, Appleton and, and Harkins at times, I thought was pretty decent. Um, Harkins didn't have the greatest night in terms of like his on-ice numbers, just because I think for a while he was getting a little bit shelled. But you could also see as the game wore on, he started gaining a little bit more confidence, and his puck handling was fantastic. Matthew Perot also seemed to bounce around a couple of different lines, and Perot is one of those guys who, if he's on like a value contract, I, I think that he still provides pretty good utility to this team. It'd have to be a much shorter contract, like a year or two, and at a much lower cap hit. But I think his versatility in being able to either be somebody to drive possession up the ice on like the fourth line, or do what he did at one point tonight. I think he was on the second line with Stastny. I, I, you know, he was actually keeping pretty good pace, and he had a couple of really nice shots, some of which almost connected for a nice goal. Uh, Perot obviously has aged out quite a bit, but he does still have something in the tank, and I think if you give him the right role, he has plenty of opportunities to succeed. As far as the back line is concerned, I think the defense was all right. A couple of guys stood out in particular. Vili Heinola made his long-awaited return to Winnipeg's lineup, and again, he looks like a guy who's already played at least a decade in the NHL. He consistently made great passes. I think his body positioning, especially in defense, was great. In transition, he was able to get the puck quickly out of his own end and up the ice for a counter or a breakout. This dude is just somebody who's so mature, so calm, and is very attuned to the details. He is the kind of player that Winnipeg's forwards have needed for a long time. They don't really have like a linking D who can transition the, the play from either deep inside their own end or around the neutral zone and get the forwards up the ice faster. Heinola is like an expert in forcing turnovers against the opposition and then getting that puck to his line mates for like a fast breakout. This is something that the Jets haven't had in a while and Heinola brings a really high end level of that skill to this team. Combined with his really good defensive marking, pretty good skating, and just general overall IQ, I really feel like this kid does not need to come out of this lineup anytime soon. I think if one thing really bothered me tonight, it was that he didn't get enough ice time. He played uh, the second least among Winnipeg's defenders, only ahead of Logan Stanley, and yeah, sure, he hasn't played in the NHL in a while, but already he looked extremely comfortable. With how the Jets' D is, just give him a run out. See what he can do. I think he can handle 17, 18, even 19 minutes easily. He did it for Team Finland. He's played a lot in Liga. See what he can do in NHL. He's mature beyond his years and seems like he's ready for so much more. None of this is super surprising for those of us who are definitely Heinola stands. I think most people expected him to be really good, and I don't think that getting to the NHL level was going to be all that hard for him, even though he's spent uh, about a year away from NHL ice. There were, however, a couple of surprises from Winnipeg's roster tonight, and some of them might be worth looking into for the longer term. Before I tell you about tonight's most surprising players and some of the interesting things that came out of this game, I did want to tell you a little bit about why you need to be tuned in to Built Bar's relaunch. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, you know that I'm a Built Bar fan. If you've never had a Built Bar, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar, with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend raspberry and mint brownie as your starting points. 
But if you can't decide, be sure to check out their variety box, which includes 18 different flavors, as well as six of their brand new flavors. What are those brand new flavors, you ask? They include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Bilt Bar wasn't content to rest on its laurels and came back with these brand new flavors that are even tastier than their last batch. But the best news is, they're just as healthy as the regular Bilt Bar, with most Bilt Bars clocking in at 200 calories or less, between 50 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To place your order, go to BuiltBar.com, and when you place your order, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, don't forget, use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're talking about some interesting results from tonight's game against the Ottawa Senators, which was a 4-1 win, if you have already forgotten somehow. Before we go any further into who might be considered a surprise on the evening, I did want to tell you a little bit about why you need to be listening to Locked On Bets right now. 2020 is thankfully over, and it's time for a fresh start with a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want even more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all season long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Swinging back into talking about Winnipeg surprises on the night, there are a couple of standouts that I think really deserve a huge mention. And the first is Derek Forbort. You know, when Forbort was signed, I was kind of like, yeah, this guy seems pretty decent. You know, he played uh, a couple of minutes with uh, Drew Doughty, actually many minutes, I would say. Um, pretty decent sample size. And I think a lot of people would say, well, Drew Doughty's a top D man in the NHL. Honestly, though, Doughty's statistical profile and performance levels have kind of dipped over the past several years, and I think it's fair to say that he's just not what he used to be when he was younger. And then you look at the way that Forbort's playing for the Jets, and you start to wonder, is it actually Doughty who's driving that success, or was it Forbort all along? Forbort's already got something like three points in four games, and I think the way that he's doing it is very interesting. He's got really good distribution and vision, especially up ice and from distance. A lot of his passes are really great crossing seams, uh, long-distance passes. Tonight he had a really good banked pass that ended up being his secondary assist. There's just a really good level of IQ there and vision that you don't often see from players who are considered depth defenders. Forward genuinely plays like a second or, or even fringe first pairing guy. Where he tends to strike me as more of like a secondary defender is probably in the fact that when he's in his own zone, sometimes his defensive work is a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say bad, it's just a little bit awkward when it comes to handling the puck near his own net. He's not super clean in part because he's a huge guy. Like you look at him in, in terms of his stature, especially in close quarters and you know, it's one of the situations where he does have to have a little bit more time and space than some of the smaller, more agile skaters. But on the whole, I would say that Forbort's been very, very good. At times, he's been Winnipeg's best overall defender. And I'm not saying that in relative terms to the rest of the team. I think he's legitimately been very good. When he's on the ice, the Jets seem to have pretty good times. He can make zone clearances, for one thing. He's very strong on the puck when he's not under super serious pressure. He's got great passing. He's got a pretty decent shot when he wants to use it. And generally speaking, when he's near the net, you know, even though he is a little bit awkward on the puck, I do think he generally makes good positioning decisions, and he can use his physicality and strength to kind of outmuscle the opposition. He's playing well enough where if he would do this for several more weeks and, and maybe even the rest of the season, I would consider giving him like a two to three year contract, maybe even like a three or four year contract. As far as defenders go, he looks like one of the biggest bargain acquisitions of any team this offseason. And sure, there weren't that many huge signings other than guys like Petrangelo and Tori Krug, but Forbord is actually playing at a level that's 
arguably not quite as far off for a guy who's making a fraction of their salary on a one-year deal. Derek is just really friggin' good, and I think that at some point, if he continues to do this, reward the man. I'm so used to the Jets giving bad contracts to, to fringe defenders and players who aren't really NHLers. Suddenly, they bring in Dylan DeMello, they sign him and extend him for multiple years. They bring in Derek Forbort, and Forbort's already looking like a guy you can easily extend and keep in your top four. Ideally, anchoring your third pairing on like a one to one and a half million dollar deal for a couple of seasons. You keep him around to bolster the ranks and really make this blue line, especially as it continues to filter in guys like Sandberg and Heinle, deeper and deeper. I mean, this is just great. And honestly, a pleasant surprise compared to what Winnipeg usually signs to replace their uh, defenders who depart. On another note of surprise, I have to say that one guy who I've kind of had issues with in the past, and that's Kyle Connor, has actually stepped up in a big way this season. He's not playing on the PK, which is good because his defensive work is definitely still uh, suboptimal, to put it lightly. But in terms of offensive creation, zone transition, and actually utilizing his line mates, this might be the best form of Kyle Connor that we've seen in a long time. His assist to Shifley, which was really based on really rapid puck movement and good positioning in front of the net, was something that, on the one hand, would be a bang-bang simple play for a lot of players, but it's not something that Connor was capable of for a long time. I think the issue with Kyle was that oftentimes he's looking to take the shot himself and kind of go directly for the net, which in a lot of cases is actually good. That's what he's supposed to do in most circumstances. But there's that extra level of improvisation and playmaking that was missing from his tool set for a long time, and it's something that, for me, held him back from being, like, the world's best winger to someone who's just really good at scoring and maybe a little bit too one-dimensional. I'm not sure what's changed between last season and, and this season, but he's looked like a very different player. I wouldn't say that all of the changes are like game-breaking changes and alterations to his game, but he's doing just enough of the uh, the better simple things that he's actually progressing to a point where, you know, maybe it's actually all right in the role that he's playing. If he can be a bigger space creator and kind of do all of this stuff on his own and help set up his line mates a lot better and actually use them, it gives you a lot more flexibility in how you want to deploy that top six, because let's be honest, Shifley and Wheeler don't seem to be getting split apart anytime soon, and I think at some point, you know, they're going to need help to get that line moving. If Connor starts to turn into that guy, that'd be great for the Jets, and honestly, I'd be very happy too. I think Connor has all of the physical tool sets and traits that would allow him to be a really good space creator and a really good playmaker. It's just that he's never really been one to put two and two together yet. If this is his big turnaround, I'd be thrilled. I would be very happy to see him start to develop these tool sets into something really dangerous and a lot more well-rounded because the Jets right now need that offensive spark, especially in the top six. If they have it already in-house, that's perfect. And I would count that as a massive surprise considering the fact that at his age, most players like Connor are pretty much finished products. They generally don't change their game style or approach all that much at this age and beyond. Let's hope it lasts because it'd be a really cool surprise this season and something that I'd like to see a lot more of. The less I have to grouse about the Jets, you know, obviously it gives me less content for the podcast, but it'd make me personally as a fan a lot happier, let me tell you. There is one more surprise I want to talk about in just a little bit, and this guy I think you know who I'll be uh, referring to because he is a defender and somebody who's been very polarizing throughout the early parts of his pro career. Before then though, I wanted to let you know a little bit more about betonline.ag and why you need to make it your one-stop shop for all of your online betting needs. If you're listening to this podcast, I know that you're already a huge hockey fan, but you might even be a bigger fan of the NFL, college football, and more. Maybe you're especially hyped about the upcoming road to the Super Bowl, and you want to put some money down in a safe, trustworthy, and reliable website that has all the NFL action you could possibly want. 
If this sounds like you, then look no further than BetOnline.ag. They have an incredible selection of betting lines for every sport you could possibly want, whether it's NHL action, Super Bowl predictions, intense and heated college football matchups, and so much more. Stop sitting on the sidelines and take charge of your sports fandom. Creating an account at BetOnline.ag is free and super easy, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Now would be a good time to get in on the action and put down a few bucks on some of the Winnipeg Jets' upcoming games. I have a feeling Winnipeg's going to be a bit of a surprise in this Northern Division. Vision, especially with how weak the competition is. Sign up for your account at betonline.ag and don't forget, use promo code LOCKEDON for that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode talking about some of the surprises from the Ottawa Sens game. I've talked about Kyle Connor looking a lot more well-rounded than I anticipated, talked about Derek Forbort being good, and the final surprise of the night is actually a guy that I think a lot of Jets fans have had many, many different thoughts and feelings about, and that's Logan Stanley. Now, Stanley, like Sami Niku, has had a bit of a rougher ride to start his NHL career. Niku has had a weird trajectory to this league, and I think a lot of it is because he's seen as a little bit soft, and I I think in the way that he's been developed and cultivated, he's probably not going to be more than a third-pairing guy. Stanley's probably in that same role, but I think the other major difference between these two is that Niku at one point had a lot of potential as a really active puck-moving defender. I think the way that the Jets kind of put him in the press box and the AHL for too many seasons probably marred whatever success he might have had at this level if there ever was a time for him to be good at this NHL level. I'm not sure that he was going to be because, let's be honest, I don't know that we're seeing a whole lot from him right now that suggests more than, again, like an active third-pairing guy in a sheltered role but the time to figure that out would have been a long time ago. Stanley is somebody who's had to carve out a much longer path, partly because I think a lot of his fundamentals needed significant work, especially in like his first step acceleration, his ability to intercept and read defensive plays ahead of schedule, and try and figure out how to be more mobile at the NHL level. Tonight was probably his strongest game. He hasn't played a whole lot for the Jets so far, just a couple of games here, but this game against the Ottawa Senators, I thought we saw a pretty decent performance. I'd actually call it flat out good. He, generally speaking, didn't get turned around too much. I think that he generally had the right positioning, especially anticipating uh, counters and rushes. I thought that his pinches were timed well. He used his frame and strength decently well in the corners. Only a couple of times did he get beat by like a rushing counter from a guy like Nick Paul or something, but generally speaking, not too much of an issue. His passes and distribution looked fine. The only thing that I, I felt was particularly lacking was, especially inside the offensive zone, his point shots weren't that great. For a guy like Stanley, his size is one thing that allows him to get a lot of force and torque on his stick to really accelerate that puck, but he didn't really use it as much, partly because he was shooting from such a great distance. I think for Stanley, he's trying not to be too deep in the offensive zone because he knows that in tracking back, he's going to get beat in a, a race of legs just because he's a huge kid and his you know acceleration and velocity just aren't that high. You know, that conservative style is probably not my favorite, but in his case, I get it. He's trying to not be too crazy. I think that he kept his game fairly simple tonight. It was meat and potatoes, but it was, for the most part, effective. I kind of cited it as a surprise just because I think a lot of folks were expecting him to flounder significantly, and I don't know that that's necessarily fair. I think that, in a lot of ways, Stanley has tried to improve his game by leaps and bounds, and he's put in a ton of work. And this is a debate that I think a lot of folks were having. You know, do you give him more games, and what do you think about him replacing somebody else in this lineup? 
My thought is that in terms of Stanley, I think that you have to have the right balance. I don't want him to be a constant roadblock to somebody like Dylan Sandberg or Vili Heinola. But by the same token, if somebody's really busting their tail off and trying to work really hard to round out all of the areas of their game, they deserve a fair and equal chance at carving their name in this, into this roster. And I think that Stanley carving his role out as like a third pairing guy wouldn't be the worst outcome. If he ends up being serviceable and even potentially a good player in that third pairing role, I wouldn't mind him long term doing that just because if you can in-house a good depth defender, do that instead of signing a crappy veteran or something. I'm also of the opinion that I don't want him blocking out one of our higher potential players because those guys also need ice time and the, the blue line on the left side is a little bit crowded right now. But again, if you want a meritocracy, you do need to give folks a chance to prove themselves and Logan has done about as much as he can so far. We'd still need to see a longer sample from him, but of course if that comes at a significant cost of like a Dylan Sandberg or somebody else getting a lot of ice time, I might have some reservations about it. As long as he continues to perform at a decent level, something that would be considered acceptable by Jet standards, which I guess are probably low at this point, so let's let's try and shoot for like NHL average maybe, that would be fair I would think. If he can do that consistently, you know, I don't really have any complaints other than just finding a way to get Heinola and, and uh, Sandberg into this lineup. Get those guys minutes to get Stanley acclimated to this level. Maybe he provides a, a long-term value position on this left side. I don't know. He was fine tonight. I hope he has more fine outings and continues to be a, a good, valuable player for this team. Or if he ends up being a trade ship, that he continues to add to his trade value proposition. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this situation and whether or not you really agree with this take. Be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. That's going to wrap up tonight's episode. We'll have some thoughts on tonight's games from the uh, other teams around the league and some of tomorrow's games on tomorrow's episode. But for now, that's going to be it. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On NHL. And here's why. The regular NHL season is underway, and the best way to keep track of it all is by subscribing to Locked On NHL. Local experts each week bring you the biggest stories, game recaps, and fantasy advice all in one podcast. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!